everybody. Welcome to the Export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I gotta ask, how do you feel about this Sunday? We get Philly versus Miami, an actually good Sunday night football game, because it feels like we have not had one all season. Uh, I feel like I'm actually going to watch Sunday night football, something I haven't done all season. Yeah, I mean, I've watched all the games, unfortunately. And some, like last week's with the Giants and Bills was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But it's still like there's no reason why the Giants just have all these primetime games. But uh, we got a cool show for you guys today. Of course, we're going to recap week six and talk some of the biggest injuries around the NFL, as well as the return of a former Pro Bowl quarterback. Um, So with the regards to the NBA, we are literally a week away from the start of the 2023-2024 NBA season. And so we're going to give our season award predictions as well as figure out what ESPN got right and what ESPN got wrong with their top 10 NBA player rankings. But before we get to any of that, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content rendered by yours truly and fellow export writers. Free episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the X report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get this show started with our college football player spotlight. And this week, we got to go to Alabama. More specifically, we're going to talk all outside linebacker Dallas Turner. He's a junior who has been on an absolute tear this season. So far, he already has 29 tackles and seven sacks and two forced fumbles through the first seven games of the year. We kind of talked about Jared Verse last week and the potential of him being the top pass rusher off the board, but it wouldn't shock me if Dallas Turner took that spot. We, Like I said last week as well, you could never have too many edge rushers. So in your opinion, what team do you think should target Target Turner. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think I said this team last week, and I'm going to replay it again. Probably the Seattle Seahawks. I feel that. Um, for me, I'm going to stick in the NFC, but I'm going to say the Chicago Bears. I am a huge Yannick Ngakwe fan. Believe me, love him to death. He is not enough for them to be able to have a strong pass rush, as evidenced by the fact I think this season they have like seven sacks. That's insane when you look at there are some players with seven or close to seven sacks by themselves. I think that this is a great time for them to go ahead and load up on assets. I know if they get one and two, it's going to be hard to pass up on somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr. with that second pick, but get you your cornerstone of the offense in Caleb Williams, if that's who you decide, and then get a cornerstone like Dallas Turner on defense. But all right, let's go ahead and look at week six around the NFL, starting with the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Denver Broncos 19-8 Thursday Night Football. My Baltimore Ravens defeated the Tennessee Titans 24-16 in London. The Detroit Lions got the better of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, despite the Bucs looking good in them creamsicle jerseys, 20-6. Uh, the Washington Commanders get back on track with the win over the Falcons, 24-16. Browns upset the 49ers, 19-17. Texans get the win over the Saints 20 to 13. Miami Dolphins come back from 14 down to beat the Carolina Panthers 42 to 21. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals defense comes up big in their 17-13 win over the Seattle Seahawks. The Jacksonville Jaguars remain undefeated. I'm sorry, I lied. They sweep the Indianapolis Colts uh, with their 37-20 win. Minnesota Vikings get their second win of the year, beating the Chicago Bears 19-13. 
uh, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders get revenge against the New England Patriots, winning 21-17. to Los Angeles Rams continue their solid streak of games, beating the Arizona Cardinals 26-9. to Jets upset the Philadelphia Eagles 20-14. to uh, Bills defeat the New York Giants Sunday Night Football 14-9. And then Monday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys win a close one against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I ended up going 10-5 and on the week while you win a solid 9 and six now to the part no one likes let's talk some injuries uh rams running back kyron williams is expected to miss some time with the sprained ankle running back david montgomery is expected to be out for a while with a rib cartilage in injury um vikings lose outside linebacker marcus davenport with a knee injury which has gotten him placed on ir the Colts will be without rookie quarterback anthony richardson as it was announced today that he is going to have season ending shoulder surgery which sucks but let's move on to a more positive note. Two uh, veteran players are returning to practice this week. One being uh, cornerback Jalen Ramsey, who was traded to the Dolphins this offseason. And Kyler Murray is expected to be playing at some point this season for the Arizona Cardinals. So let's talk about the guys who are coming back. The Dolphins have already looked good. So in your opinion, what does Jalen Ramsey bring to the team? And then about the Arizona Cardinals, they have not looked good. However, uh, Josh Dobbs, I think he's playing better than a lot of people would have expected. So do you think with Kyler Murray come back, they're going to start not just the wins, be more competitive, or do you think it's going to be a lot of the same struggles? Um, from, the, from the standpoint of Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey can come back, and I know he's lost his step in most recent seasons, but if he can come back, and be the corner that he was last season with the way the Dolphins have already looked. Like, I already have had them in like the in like five to three range of teams in the NFL. If he can come back and beat Jalen Ramsey, they can mess around and be like one or two. And I know the Eagles are still a top dog, and I know the 49ers are a top dog, but I got to give the Dolphins credit. Like, they've been balling. And if you can add the addition of a lockdown corner like Jalen Ramsey, like, they can be a major boost. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, again, Jalen Ramsey's season last year left much to be desired. But, I mean, at least coming to the Dolphins, they have other talent across the defense that will kind of help take the pressure off of him. Their secondary has been playing pretty solid. I really like their safety tandem that they got back there. So, I think that this could be a really good year for that Dolphins defense and Jalen Ramsey uh, specifically. Um, but, all right, what about the Cardinals and Kyler Murray coming back, assuming he does eventually come back? Uh, from the standpoint of Kyler Murray, I think I don't think that they're going to be super competitive. I don't. They have talent, but I just think that for one, the, they have one of the best teams in all NFL and all of the NFL in their division. Yes, I know for the time being they're dealing with injuries. You also have a really good team in Seattle. Um, I'm interested to see what the Rams look like now that Cooper Cup's officially back. I can see them still being the worst team in the division, and I can see them potentially still vying for like a top 15 spot in the first round of the draft. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you're getting, saying like top 15. I would be shocked if they didn't have a top 10 pick. 
I was being generous. Oh, okay. That's nice of you. Um, Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, the last we saw of Kyler Murray was not great. And coming off of a torn ACL, I don't exactly expect that to totally change. Not to mention his offensive line has had some struggles. James Conner went down, so the run game is going to be suffering a bit. The receiving core has been okay. I mean, Hollywood Brown's been cool. Marco Wilson. Um, I mean, not Marco Wilson. Michael Wilson, who they got out of Stanford, has been solid. But overall, this is a team that has a lot of holes. I'm kind of surprised that they're even going to play him. But, I mean, hey, if he plays well and they mess around and get the first overall pick, you can use that as, like, a trade asset if you don't want to keep him and move on. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting too much to really change on the Kyler Murray and Arizona Cardinals front. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our top five takeaways. Do you got five this week or you want me to just run through mine? You can run through this the second week. I haven't watched the Lakers football. No problem. All right, so number five, I'm going to make it quick. Uh, the Vikings offense can stay afloat with Jay Jettas on IR. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is the best offensive player in Minnesota, arguably the best offensive player in the entire NFL. But with that being said, the Vikings aren't exactly slouches in the rest of their offense. For example, TJ Hawkinson has been playing like a top five uh, tight end this year. Jordan Addison has had some promising moments as a rookie. And then KJ Osborne, while he's not a household name, he's been a guy who's consistently made plays for them every year. So I think they can be okay, especially if that offensive line can block and if they can find a way to hold on to the freaking ball. Uh, for the Panthers are better off starting Chuba Hubbard at running back over Miles Sanders. I know that Sanders got the contract and they brought him in to kind of be that change of pace back, but he's been pretty disappointing. Whereas Chuba, Chuba Hubbard in his first start of the season played really well. He had 88 yards and 4.6 yards per carry. Um, that top Sanders season high of 72 yards in week one. His best game came last week. Um, I think he had like six carries for 32 yards. Um, which was 4.6 yards per carry as well, but still he's just not as effective as you would like him to be. Um, number three, the Cowboys need to feed CeeDee Lamb. He had his best game since week two, um, also had the most targets he's had since week six. I believe caught all seven of his passes for over 100-plus yards. CeeDee Lamb, we talked about this off-air. We both believe that CeeDee Lamb is a number one wide receiver, but you can only do so much with the targets that you're given, and so it's nice to see him be able to show what he can do. Uh, number two, the Bucks secondary still sucks. They were a major problem for the team last week, and we're seeing it again. They got tore up by Jared Goff and the Lions. Um, and again, we always talk about how great Amon Ross St. Brown is, but it would seem like a little bit of everybody was making big plays against them, and that's a tough thing to deal with, especially when you have an offense, more specifically a quarterback who's kind of so-so in Baker Mayfield. Um, so they got to get that cleaned up. And then number one, the Broncos need to blow it all up. Trade deadline's coming up in a couple weeks. We've heard so many rumblings for months about Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy getting trade, traded. At this point, trade everybody. Just blow it all up. I love Russell Wilson. I hate that he's on this team because obviously he's going to take the blame no matter what happens. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that the Broncos are a team that's really going to contend. And so I think the best thing they can do is try to move towards the future and start building up some trade assets and draft assets so they can go ahead and try to get this team right over the next few years. But, yeah, that's my five. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our most impressive offensive and defensive players. You can start us off with your most impressive offensive player. Uh, Offensive. Shoot, let me see. You want I'll me? Let you, okay. I didn't. I like this was an incredibly busy weekend, so like I haven't really been able to catch anything football wise. 
But I can look and find some find one for you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so offensively, I'm going with the guy who we just mentioned is going to be out for a while, but that's running back Kyron Williams for the Rams. Um, since Cam Akers got traded, he has t- stepped up in a huge way for this offense um, against a pretty bad – well, you know I mean to say bad. The Cardinals defense does not exactly have stars, but they've been kind of serviceable, but he still had a great game. 20 carries for 158 yards and a touchdown – him losing him is a major blow to this offense. Uh, def- and then, uh, yeah, that's my offensive player. You want me to say my defensive player or you got an offensive player? I have an offensive player. Okay. And I forgot about this guy. Tyree Hill. Like, I know we have our reservations about his off-the-field stuff in his past, but he balled out this week. Yeah, I will – yeah, you know my feelings on Tyreek. But, yeah, I'll give him his credit. He had a great game. Uh, my defensive player is – I think this might be the first time in the history of this show that I've given Sam Hubbard props. But, low-key, I'm a really big Sam Hubbard fan. Uh, Sam Hubbard, defensive end for the Bengals, had a crazy game against the Seahawks. Seven tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, five um, – I'm sorry, a tackle for loss, and then five quarterback hits. I mean, it seemed like – Geno Smith had no time at all, and it only got worse in the red zone. I mean, they made that questionable decision to go for it on fourth and goal on their second-to-last drive, didn't get it, which forced them to have to score a touchdown on that next drive. Again, they didn't get it. Why? Because Sam Hubbard and the rest of that pass rush was getting home. So I was really, really impressed by what Sam did. Uh, For me, I'm going to go with Michael Parsons. He had a set and three QB hits. Like, it's any kind of pedestrian for a Michael Parsons game. But I think a big part of it is that I told you off air, I thought this game was going to be more of a shootout because I thought the, the, I thought the fully healthy Chargers offense was going to put up more than 20 points. I mean, 17 points. So, even though for Michael, in my opinion, it's pedestrian, but it's still a good game. Yeah, I mean, shoot. I would take that. I mean, any defensive player or at least edge rusher, a sack and three QB hits, sign me up. All right, now let's move on to our most disappointing player. For me, hands down, it was Jalen Hurts. I know you said you didn't watch the game, but that last quarter was a rough one for Mr. Hurts. Overall, had completed 28 of his 45 passes, 280 yards, had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, but also threw three picks, including one that officially sealed the game. Because if you look at the numbers and you watch that game, it's not like the Jets' offense did much of anything but they had so many short fields, it was easy for them to get those field goals and just capitalize on it. So I got to – I got to um, – I hate to do it, but I got to throw Jalen Hurts under the bus a little bit. I feel For me, there's only one guy, Nicholas P – Nicholas Pierre – Petit Pierre. I forgot you. Petit Friere or whatever. Yeah, NFP. I know this is what I always call him because I can't – I never can say his name. So – Again, I didn't watch any football. I didn't get a chance to see the Titans right in this game. But what I did see is when Malik Willis came in, he got sacked four times, and they all were given up by NLP. Yeah, I we talked about this. Like, when Jadavian Clowney got signed, I wasn't all that impressed because he he's a great run stopper. But that's really it. Like, his pass rush just really wasn't connecting. And literally all season, like, people talk about, oh, he had this pressure, he had this, he had that. I joked with a friend of mine. I was like, that brother is just running to be running. 
he doesn't actually make the plays. But against Tennessee, he actually did make those plays. And, yeah, it was it, it, it was not pretty. Um, so, yeah, I, I get that. All right, and then last but not least, uh, rookie of the week for me, I'm going Ravens wide receiver Zay Flowers. Caught his first career uh, touchdown, also had six catches for 50 yards. A nice bounce back game considering how much of a struggle it was for not only him, but the entire Ravens receiving core last week in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to draw you with Zay Flowers. Even though it came against my team, you still caused your first city, and I actually like Zay Flowers. Yeah, feel that. All right, let's go ahead and move on to some league news. Starting off in Indianapolis, uh, star defensive tackle, well, let me say that, underrated star defensive tackle, uh, Grover Stewart, is going to be suspended for the next six, six games after uh, violating the NFL's PED violation uh, rules. Um, next up, looking at some signings and releases. The Broncos released multiple-time Super Bowl champion Frank Clark, defensive end. Um, Packers signed running back James Robinson. And Eagles made, a, I guess you can call it a splash, in signing wide receiver Julio Jones. As of right now, he is signed to their practice squad. But as soon as he gets up to speed with the offense, he is expected to join the active roster. And he said he's not just another body. He's coming to dominate. But realistically, let's say he plays these next, what, 12 games for the Eagles. What do you think is a realistic stat line for the future Hall of Famer? Um, I could see him getting, like, in total yards, like, maybe close to 450. I could see that. I would probably say maybe 30, 35 catches. I'll go with you, like, 450 and a Two touchdowns? Like nothing yeah, all no, that crazy. crazy. Yeah, I mean I mean could that would top what he did last year. And I think the year before too. So yeah, I think realistically I I have very low expectations. No offense to Julio, like I said, feature Hall of Famer, but this signing isn't striking fear into many people's hearts, including myself. Oh, and then one last thing, Miko Hardman. Uh, he left the Chiefs this past season, signed a one-year deal with the New York Jets, and now he is headed back to the Chiefs today. The two AFC teams made a change. Um, ex- while the Chiefs will be uh, sending a 2025, I mean, yeah, 2025 six-round pick, and the Jets will be sending over Hardman and a 2025 seventh-round pick. So he gets to go back to Kansas City, which honestly, if I was him, I would not be mad about it at all. But all right, let's go ahead and play this quick game of believable or buffoonery. Starting off in Denver, I mentioned Jerry Judy a bit ago, but a big reason why he was a topic of conversation was because prior to the Broncos' uh, Thursday night football game against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, should be Hall of Fame wide receiver Steve Smith pretty much went on a rant about the young man, pretty much saying you're an average wide receiver, don't trade for Jerry Judy because mentally he can't handle criticism. That is just paraphrasing it. If you haven't seen it or heard it, you should look it up. But at the end of the day, the biggest talking point was that he was a jag, just another guy. That's the last thing you want to hear if you're somebody who was drafted in the first round and expected to be your team's wide receiver one. But let's be realistic. Believable or buffoonery, Jerry Judy is, in fact, just another guy. Um, yes, he is. And give me one second, because I did, after I saw that, 
I did this. So, Jerry Judy's best season was last last season where he caught 67 balls for 972 yards, and he had six touchdowns. The year before, his second best season was his rookie season where he caught 52 passes for 856 yards and three TDs. Like, and currently, he has 20 receptions for 222 yards and no TDs. That, that sounds like, he, it sounds like a regular, kind of regular guy to me. Yeah, I mean, his best season, again, like even his best season is cool, but just look at the guys who were also in that draft class. CeeDee Lamb got drafted that year. Jay Jettis got drafted that year. Brandon Ayuk got drafted that year. That That's a pretty loaded receiving core because I think of it was five of them total in no particular order. Henry Ruggs was taken that year, Judy, Ayuk, Jay Jettis, and CeeDee Lamb. And it's pretty safe to say that Jerry Judy is the fourth best receiver of that group. When at the time, at, he was arguably the best wide receiver of the class. And so while he has shown some flashes, I, I do have to agree. I do think that he is just another guy. Um, I think he has potential to be better, but until he actually does it, it's hard to really it's hard to really buy that he will. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the New England Patriots, who honestly have a roster full of just another guys. Um, and this past week, their loss to the Las Vegas Raiders pushed their record down to a measly 1-5. and five. However, quarterback Mac Jones is still confident that he should be the team's starter. Uh, following the game, he said, I'm confident. I think that comes from years of experience and earning respect from people. I think I've done that. It takes all 11, and that's important. I really want to win, and I'm doing a lot of things to do that during the week. But for whatever reason, it's just not happening on Sunday. So, believable or buffoonery, the Patriots should stick with Mac Jones as their quarterback for the rest of this season. Um, I'm going to say no. Like, I think I know that they don't have the greatest, like, QB room. Maybe they want to try to sign somebody or make a trade. But it's, so far, it's just looking like Mac Jones is isn't the guy because it's going to weak. Um, week seven, right? Yep. And he doesn't have a touchdown pass at all. Does he really not have a touchdown pass? I'm almost. I think I saw a stat where it was like Mac Jones has not thrown a touchdown pass all season. Nah, he he has five passing touchdowns. Okay. Now he hasn't thrown one in the past three weeks. Okay. But yeah, he's. I I'm actually gonna say yes. He should be the starter only because. If they continue to be terrible, and again, we talked about this last week, it's not all his fault that they're bad, but if they continue to be bad, at least they can be like, hey, we tried. You had three years, my brother, and aside from your rookie year where you really didn't have to do much, you didn't. it didn't work. And so I think it's much easier to move on from him as a quarterback because, again, like you mentioned, it's not like the rest of their quarterbacks on the roster are all that impressive. Bailey Zappi got them a win or two last year, but it's clear they weren't trying to give him the keys to the franchise. And Malik Cunningham would be a lot more fun to watch, but I still don't think they have the roster for that to work. And so because of that, 
I'm I'm gonna say believable. Just thug it out with them, and if it doesn't work, then you know, hey, we tried. We're gonna blow it up, and we're gonna try to try out a whole new team next year. But all right, last question before we make our week seven game picks: the Detroit Lions are five and one, tied for the best record in the entire NFL. And as the media does, they jump on the hype trains so much so that Mike Greenberg said, "No one's talking about it, but the Lions are the best team." In football, is that believable or buffoonery? Mm, I'm gonna say buffoonery because I I still think a fully healthy 49ers team and a fully healthy Eagles team are both better than the Lions. I'm saying buffoonery because I think there are several teams that are better. Don't get me wrong. I think that the Lions are a good team. and I think they're coached very well. Shout out to Dan Campbell. But no, I think that in addition to the um, Eagles and what's it called, 49ers, I think the Dolphins are better than them. I think that the Buffalo Bills, if they played tomorrow, the Bills could win that game. I think that they are a team, speaking of the Lions, like they are very competitive and they – they're not full of like household names, but they get it to work. But I just, I haven't been that impressed to the point where I would say, oh yeah, they're definitely one of the best teams in the league. But they play my favorite team Sunday, so they could easily like prove me wrong. But just as of right now, I don't think they're there. If we're talking, cause even like you said, there are two teams in the NFC who are definitively better than them in the Eagles and the 49ers. And then that's not even talking about the AFC teams. Cause I get, they beat the chiefs, but, and I hate to play this card cause I think it's a bit pointless, but if they were to play again and Travis Kelsey was in that game, I think the chiefs will win. So I don't think that they're much better than the chiefs at this point either, but that's just me. All right, let's go ahead and move on to week seven, starting with Thursday night football, the Jacksonville Jaguars heading to the big easy to face the saints. I don't know if right now Trevor Lawrence is listed as questionable, but even if he does play, I don't know how effective he's going to be because he can't get out of the pocket that much. And so with that being said, I got Saints. I got Saints. Before we go to the next game, have you seen that video of James talking to Alvin Kamara? Yes, I have. That has probably been, like, at least this season alone, that's definitely the funniest video. And I and like every time I see it, it's with, it showed a little caption of like, when I throw a pick, it's a problem. Right. So it, it's cool, and it looked like that's what he really saying. Yeah. No, I I would love. To, I've seen so many like sideline conversations, like where the facial expressions, like I just want to know what was being said, and that is definitely one of them. Um. All right. Next up, we have the Cleveland Browns versus the Indianapolis Colts. Browns. Dang, I thought you weren't going to pick the Browns this season. I got to pick the obvious. I, I want them to lose, but if we're trying to get, like, win percentages, I got to I gotta go for my dude. Respectable, respectable. Um, all right, next up we have the Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots Bills, and it should not be a close game. Bills. Las Vegas Raiders versus the Chicago Bears. As of right now, Justin Fields' status is in doubt. So because of that, I'm going Raiders. Raiders. 
Uh, Washington Commanders versus the New York Giants. Truthfully, I don't care. I'm still going to watch some of the game, but I got Commanders. Commanders. Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Bucs bounce back. I got them. I got the Bucs, too. Baltimore Ravens versus the Detroit Lions. I think this is going to be an awesome game. And if the last two games against the Lions are any indication, somehow Baltimore is going to win off a crazy, long, and historic Justin Tucker field goal. I got Baltimore. Mm, Yeah, I got Baltimore, too. Seattle Seahawks looking to get back on track. I think they do it against the Arizona Cardinals. Seattle. Pittsburgh Steelers coming off the bye. They are heading to L.A. to face the Rams. Low-key, this was kind of tough, but with Kyron Williams out, I think I'm going to give the edge to the Steelers. Yeah, I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Denver Broncos hosting the Green Bay Packers. Another very tough game because I don't trust – I don't trust the Packers' offense, but I really don't trust the, trust the Broncos' defense. But I, I'm going to go Broncos. I'm going to go Packers because I always lean towards the better defense. That that just totally fair because in this case, they definitely have the better defense. Uh, next up, we have the Los Angeles Chargers facing the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chargers really cannot catch a break. I got Chiefs. Yeah, I got Chiefs too. Now for a great Sunday night football game, the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Miami Dolphins. I don't think this should be like a crazy pick, but I got Dolphins. Yeah, I don't think. Because isn't Darius Slay going to be out? I haven't heard that. I looked at like the injury reports around the league, and as far as I know, he, I, he's supposed to be playing. Okay. I mean, either way, though. Yeah, I still, I still got Dolphins. Yeah, and then last but not least, this game would be so much more fun if Jay Jettis was playing. But it is the San Francisco 49ers heading to Minneapolis to face the Minnesota Vikings. I got Niners. Niners. And for those of you who don't know, the Carolina Panthers, Cincinnati Bengals, Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, New York Jets, and Tennessee Titans have a bye this week. So they get a week off. All right, let's talk the offensive and defensive players as well as the rookies we are watching this week. Offensively, I'm watching my brother-in-law, Russell Wilson, Last week was not a good game. Easily his worst game of the season. I want to see how he responds. This is a good Packers defense, but I do think that they have enough people on the outside for them to be able to score and for him to have a solid game. But don't get it twisted. I still think they need to blow it all up. For me, offensively, I'm looking at Jalen Hurts. Came off of, coming off a bad game this past Sunday. Going into a game where you're going up against, in my opinion, a guy that probably should win MVP into him. Yeah. And a high-power offense. I really almost said Jalen Hurts, but I said Jalen Hurts last week, so I got to – I've been giving him a break. But I will go with his teammate in terms of my defensive player. I'm watching Darius Slay. I want to see how he looks. I mean, more likely he's going to be matched up against Tyreek Hill, and as good as Darius Slay is, he is not exactly fast. And I think that if uh, Tyreek Hill is able to beat him off the line, it could be a very long day for big play Slay. But if he can hold, keep him in check, I think they should be solid. Um, It's actually funny because I was going to say the Eagles cornerback tandem as a whole because – they play Slade, are you going to be able to stay? Um, 
Big Club is against Tyreek Hill and Giants Bradbury. Are you going to be able to contain Jalen Waddle on the other side? Yeah, that's a pretty tough task. Very tough task. Um, and then uh, the rookie I'm watching is Jameer Gibbs. Now, the first time David Montgomery got hurt, I thought it was going to be the Jameer Gibbs show. That was not the case. I'm interested to see how the Lions are going to use him. If he, they are going to allow him to be the bell cow or if they're just going to bring him in on situational downs. Because truthfully, I think that Baltimore's defense is good enough to kind of keep their passing game in check, which means they can't get one-dimensional. They have to find a way to run the ball. And if they're going to do so, Jameer Gibbs has to be a big part of that. I just wonder if they are going to allow him to kind of break out. I'm actually going to copy off your paper because I did. I forgot David Montgomery was hurt, and granted, I understand the like the love and the consistency and why you want to bring David Montgomery in, and like when he's healthy. But bro, y'all got a video, and y'all acting like y'all won the lottery when y'all drafted Jameer Gibbs way early in the anybody else would have drafted him. At some point, y'all gonna have to let the man play. Yeah, because that's when it. That's when the conversation now is kind of like, well, dang, is this why DeAndre Swift didn't really kind of break out the way that everybody expected him to in Detroit just because they weren't using him right? And so far, the answer looks like a yes, considering what he's doing in Philly. All right, last thing, the team we are calling out, obviously, I'm calling out Baltimore. Very tough game this weekend. The Lions are a good team. However, I believe that we are better. Let's go show them that we are better. And the way to do that is not to come up with senseless turnovers because for the love of the Lord in the second half, if we don't get turnovers, it seems like we're going to cry about it. Like, hold on to the ball, please. For me, I'm going to call out – I'm going to call out the Chargers. They they took a bad loss this Sunday. They don't get a um, – they get a, a really bad schedule um, follow-up game this Sunday. Bro, just don't let Travis Kelsey kill y'all. That's always who does it. It's always Travis Kelsey. Cause like I feel like every game that I either watch or I see like the the um, box score and watch highlights of nobody else does anything. Travis Kelsey has twelve catches for one hundred and seventy yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, that that tracks. I mean, a prime example was this past week against the Broncos. Travis Kelsey had. What? That brother had nine catches for 124 yards. Rasheed Rice was the next closest with four catches for 72. Merry Christmas. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Starting off with some roster moves, or at least lack thereof. After spending the past several months trying to come to terms on a contract extension, it seems that Klay Thompson and the Golden State Warriors have stalled in contract talks, which means that Klay may be an unrestricted free agent after this season. And so it does beg the question, do you think that this is the last year of Klay Thompson in the Bay? No. They're going to figure it out. I feel like the guys that are on the Warriors are going to be the last guys to go down. It's like you guys the only play on one team. I I agree with that because as good as Clay is, or at least thinks he is, I think he's not. I think he's one of those guys who is cool in Golden State and like not trying to go somewhere else to show how good he is. Because again, why are you creating a problem if you don't exactly have to? 
because as clay is fine but if clay is your only option i think that is going to cause big problems for you um as your star i mean as a team if he's your star and so because of that just cut out the middleman just go ahead and stay in the bay and work it out i think they will uh, speaking of working things out, the uh, Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder came to terms on a trade. The Rockets sent over Kevin Porter, who they got, who the Thunder cut immediately, as well as two future second-round picks, while the Houston Rockets got Victor Oladipo, who I didn't even know went back to Oklahoma City, and uh, James Robinson Earl. Both players combined are making a little over 11 mil this season. So let's start off with Victor Oladipo. It's clear that the Rockets are trying to go a bit of a younger route. And considering how many guards they already have on a roster, I think it's a tough sell to think that Victor Oladipo makes the team. So what do you think? Should the Rockets keep Victor Oladipo, or do you think he's going to be on his way out shortly? I think he'll be on his way out because I, I saw something where – the Rockies got like a list of guards that they're interested in. Yeah, I saw them, that. Yeah, one of them being Malcolm Brogdon. So I think they might have picked up Depot as maybe a part of trade, like trade compensation. I could see that as well. So let's say that he is moved. What team do you think would be a good fit? Because truthfully, I'm kind of shocked that, again, that he got signed just because that last injury with Miami, I kind of thought it was over. Uh, I think. Honestly and truly, like the Blazers, like not even from the stance of like being uh, like on the court production. If he produces on the court, then it's fine. But I think just bringing in like because that's a young like that's a young team. Like yeah. you got Jack Grant, but like they have a lot of young players, and you got like Anthony Simons. He's been there for a while, but he's still fairly young. You got Scoop. Like you kind of want might want to bring in a guy that maybe if he's healthy and can play on the court, that's cool. But you also if you use him in a locker room. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, because like you said, I mean, it's not like they have that many like veterans on the team as is. Um, so let's go ahead and look at it from the Oklahoma City Thunder perspective. As of now, they have 37 total draft picks over the next seven years. 15 first-round picks and 22 second-round picks. While if you're an NFL fan, that sounds like heaven. In the NBA, it doesn't work like that because I think the max amount of roster spots you can have is 15 players. So it's safe to say they have to do something with those picks. So what do you think they should do with those excess draft picks? Um, potentially use them to trade for pieces to build around a young core because they don't they don't need to find a star player they have one in shape they have a good complimentary piece in Josh Giddy. they also have another guy that could potentially be um, a 20 point per game scorer in Jalen Williams and then and now you bring him back Chick, who could if he plays to his potential could be a guy that's a twenty plus point scorer, and a defensive player of the year candidate. Like you have, you basically outside of tra- trading for Shea, you drafted like all homegrown, all potential All Star level talent. Now you just need to get the pieces to, like, fill out the rest of your roster. And I think that they could do that with all them draft picks. I agree with you in the sense of 
trading. But I mean, I don't, I don't think it would hurt trying to go after a star player. Like for example, we we talked about this on previous episodes. Joel Embiid. Let's say for example, the 76ers like, you know what? It's not working. We want to trade him. If I'm the Thunder, I am on the phone like that. Like, don't get me wrong, Chet Holgram is good. That's fine. But Joel Embiid literally is coming off of an MVP-type season. And I think that the duo of him and Shea could be absolutely dangerous. And they have the draft, the draft picks and the cap space to go after someone like that. And so because of that, like, I think that if they get a big fish like that dangled in their face and they have no reason to say no, why say no? I would go after them. But I agree, like, in the sense of, like, you're going to have to get rid of those picks, so maybe just get some solid, like, quality bench guys and try to bring those guys in. Or who knows, maybe the Chet Holmgren experience doesn't work out and you want to find a replacement for him. But either way, you got to bring in new people. I don't think it's going to be like a as soon as possible type deal, but I think within the next couple of years or so, we're going to see them start to unload some of those draft picks. But all right, let's go ahead and move on. ESPN every year does a top 100 NBA player rankings, and we're not going to go through all 100. Ethan, you know, you and I, we talked about quite a few of them, those picks and how bad they are. But we can focus solely on the top 10, which as is as follows, according to ESPN's panel of NBA experts, quote-unquote. Number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two, Nikola Jokic. Three, Joel Embiid. Four, Luka Doncic. Five, Steph Curry. Six, um, Jason Tatum. Seven, Kevin Durant. Eight, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Nine, LeBron James. And ten, Anthony Davis. While I'm sure you agree, not every pick we disagree with, but we definitely don't agree with every pick. So what we are going to do is talk what players and positions they got right and which ones they got wrong. So, Ethan, you can start us off. Where where does, I guess, your top ten list differ than the NBA's? Um, I think. I think they got the top, the first two right, Nicole Yorkers and Giannis. If I'm not mistaken, Nicole Yorkers is first right. No, Giannis is. So that's also where that's the part why I would disagree. I think Nicole Jokic is one, Giannis is two. Um, then I think, if I'm not mistaken, Luca is over Steph. Yeah, Luca's four, Steph is five. I was I was flop switched that honestly because also Tatum is in the top ten too, right? Yes, Tatum is six. I would switch Tatum with Luca because, in my opinion, yes, Luca. Like from an eye test standpoint, from a game standpoint, from a production standpoint, Luca is a really good player. But he does he hasn't won anything, and I know you could potentially say the same thing for Jason Tatum. But Jason Tatum has at least taken his team to like the NBA Finals, and in my opinion, that means something to me. Um. I don't I don't think that Shay belongs in the top team. Agreed. I think Shay is their their new John Morant from last year where Ja like yes, Ja had a great season last year, but he took a jump to number nine in the top ten. In my opinion, I think Shay's great. I I almost would put Devin Booker in the top ten over Shay. And 
Anthony Davis is not team. No, not at all. Um, I agree with you on most of it. I, I just went ahead and did my own top ten just because it was easier than, like, switching stuff around. So, like, for me, starting at one, it'd be Nicole Jokic, Giannis, uh, Embiid, Steph. I'd keep Luka in the top five just because I think I, – I totally understand what you're saying about Tatum, like, accomplishing more, but I think that Luka is a – I think he's more talented and he hasn't had the pieces around him that Tatum has had. And obviously Tatum's been, like, the best player on the team, but he – Luka – has not had a player beside him as good as Jalen Brown. Now, on paper, he should with Kyrie Irving being there. But I don't. I still don't understand. I don't know how much I'm gonna like that fit of them together. But this season will tell a lot. Um, but then, yeah, I got Tatum at six. I can live with KD at seven. I'd put LeBron at eight. Devin Booker at nine, and then I put Jimmy Butler at ten. Because you talked about getting your team to the finals. Jimmy Butler has done it twice where nobody expected them to make it as far as they did. Sure, it didn't work out once they got there, but I think that just the player that Jimmy Butler is and like just the way he's able to will his team to success, I don't think that that can be ignored. So I'd put him at 10. But I totally agree with you. AD should not be in the top 10. Absolutely not. All right, one more thing before we play our game of Believable or Buffoonery. Let's go ahead and make our 2023-2024 NBA season award prediction, starting off with most improved player. Who do you think ends up winning it? Most improved player. <sighs> um, I, I want to say Ben Simmons. Because I do, I know we had an off-air discussion around it. Whereas, like, you want to see him do it in a game. Matter of fact, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Ben Simmons. I just respect. I could see Ben doing it. Especially because, like, I feel like the he's one of those guys who, like, the NBA really wants to be good. And so yeah. if he does turn that corner, I could absolutely see him doing it. I'm going to say Tyler Hero, mainly because, I mean, his name was brought up in trade conversations all summer. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, myself included, who was kind of surprised that he is still uh, on the Miami Heat. And so if he wants to prove that, A, Miami, you don't need to try to trade for this guy or that guy because I'm him, he's going to need a really, really big year. And obviously that plays into him staying healthy. But I think that's going to be a, play a big role in it. All right, what about six man of the year? Six man. I am going to say Bones Highland. That's a good one. Um, also, another player who, uh, what's it called, disrespected, the uh, Nuggets GM. Yep. More unnecessary comments. Uh, I'm going to say Malik Monk. Malik Monk played great for the Kings this past year, and so I'm excited to see just the way that they utilize him and see if he can kind of build off that performance, especially because in NBA terms, he's not making no money, and so he could get a major bag this year. Um, what about rookie of the year? I'm boring. I have Wimby. I mean, I feel like that's a that's a obvious, I think. Especially after their last preseason game against the Heat where he looked like a A loop. Yeah. Yeah. If he stays healthy, I mean he you know, he's he's gonna get it. Um, what about coach of the year? Coach of the year. Um, it's hard because we also got a lot of new coaches in places 
I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Frank Vogel. I'm, I'm going to show some love to your boy, Taylor Jenkins. Um, we talked about this like with the when we broke down the Western Conference. I think that the Grizzlies are going to be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I understand Jaw's going to miss the first, what, 25 games, but this is a team that knows how to play without Jaw. Sure, it's going to take a little bit getting Marcus Smart, like adjusting to the flow of the offense, especially with, um, you know, Dylan Brooks gone. And, um, oh, my gosh, I see his face, but I cannot remember his name. Got traded to the Wizards. Um, Tyus Jones. But I think that they're still going to be able to stay afloat. I think that they have the personnel to do it and bring it in, like I said, Marcus Smart and D, Derrick Rose. So I think the, like I said, I think the Grizzlies are going to be a lot better than people expect. And I think Taylor Jenkins wins his, he won coach of the year before, right? I think so. Because I think they. The year they won, won, they were the second seed. Yeah, because I think one year they gave it to Monty Williams. Because they should have gave it to him the year before. Okay, never mind. I don't think he has gotten it, which is wild to me. He really hasn't won it. Okay, then, yeah, he gets his first one. Because Haki, he should have, this should be his second one. But, yeah, they gave it to Monty because they didn't give it to him the year before. But, all right, next up, defensive player of the year. Triple J. I'm going to go with his teammate. I'm going to say Marcus Smart. Um, again, brought him in to kind of help bring in a defensive edge. And I think they can do that. I mean, he's only a couple years removed from being named defensive player of the year. I think that he can do it again. Just this time more so guarding uh, guards in the Western Conference. All right, clutch player of the year. On the second year this was in existence, De'Aaron Fox won it last year. Who you got winning it this year? Clutch player of the year, DeMar DeRozan. As much as I love me some DeMar, I don't think the Bulls are going to win enough games for that to work. I'm going to say Jimmy Butler. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Like I mentioned earlier, like he finds a way to will the heat to victory. And I think that he's going to take – he's taking it a bit personal that they weren't able to get Damian Lillard, which means he's going to have to step it up a notch, and I think he's going to be able to do that. All right, last but not least, uh, in terms of individual awards, who do you got winning MVP? Giannis. We are in agreement. I also have Giannis. Now, to the fun part. Let's talk our dream NBA Finals matchup. If we had our way, who would be in the Finals? And who would win, obviously? The Grizzlies versus the Bucks with the Grizzlies winning. How many games do you think in your perfect world would it take? Seven. I want it to be stressful. See, as a fan, I've 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 stressed enough. I don't want to add stress in my life. Um, perfect world, I would have it be Grizzlies and the Miami Heat, but I want the Heat to come out on top because I really want Jimmy Butler to get a ring. And because I like both teams, but they're not my favorite team, so they're not stressing me out too much. I would probably I could live with that series going to seven. And plus, it, it'd be cool to show, you know, the Grizzlies got heart and they gave it their all. All right, but now, realistically, who do you think is in the finals and who will be the 2023-2024 NBA champions? Realistically, I think it's going to be Boston and Denver. And who wins? <sighs> That's tough. Because we're, we're in agreement. 
I'm going to say Denver. It pains me to say. Maybe. You said what? I said maybe. I'm I'm starting to think. No, I'm going to say I'm going to say Boston. Okay. It pains me to say this as a Lakers fan, but I I like I said I agree with you about it being Denver and Boston, and I think Boston wins it. But I think. I don't ask me who, don't ask me when. I think they make a move at some point in the season to help kind of solidify their bench a little bit. Cause like their starters are fine. Six man, cool, but I, I think they make a move. Don't ask me who. But yeah, that would be my pick as well. All right, let's play our game of believable or buffoonery real quick. Get up out of here. Uh starting off with my main man, Jimmy Butler, who I just uh mentioned not too long ago. Uh, he talked about he and Bam Adebayo kind of being overlooked and considered a uh, duo that's not entertaining. He said, what we've done in the last four years with people saying the duo get it done, the duo is not this, they're not entertaining, we win at the end of the day. Since Bam and Jimmy Butler have teamed up, the Miami Heat have the most playoff wins in the NBA over the last four years, which is I did not know. So, believable or buffoonery, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are the most underrated duo in the NBA. 100%. Yeah. Like, I think, like, as a whole, the Heat, the, the heat team every offseason is underrated. Because you look up, they said the same thing last season. Like, what's Miami going to do with these pieces that they have? They missed around and made the finals. This year, Miami is Jimmy Butler and Bam and a bunch of nobodies. And I don't, I honestly don't think Miami's going to make it to the finals because I just think that the East is such a, like, top-heavy gun. And, like, from the, with Boston adding Perzingis, and I, I watched, like, some of their, pre, like, a little bit of their preseason games. I watched one last night. And the way that they, like, Perzingis add such a unique wrinkle to their offense, like, I don't think my name will make it, but I still think my name is going to be, like, going to be a dog fight of the series. And I can see Jimmy and Bam still being, like, the underrated duo this whole season. Yeah, I'm saying believable as well. But if we're talking to playoffs, Bam, I need you to show up, my brother. Because it was like he wasn't even there this past season. I think that also plays a role in the why nobody talks about them as a duo because everybody knows who Jimmy is when the playoffs and the lights are on bright. Bam, not so much. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to another Eastern Conference team, the Washington Wizards, who made a big trade acquiring Jordan Poole from the Golden State Warriors. And I think it's safe to say that he is going to be their best player, so much so that Kevin Garnett said, Jordan Poole is the new James Harden. I look for Jordan Poole to be top five in scoring. If he doesn't shoot more than 25 balls, I'll be shocked. So, believable or buffoonery, Jordan Poole is going to be the James Harden of the Washington Wizards now that he is the guy. I'm going to say I'm gonna say the believable in the stands of like I think Jordan Poole is gonna put up a lot of high scoring numbers. And I mean that's what James Harden did when he first got to Houston. Yeah. I'll say this though. He's definitely not gonna win him any games. Uh, but yeah. He's going to put up points. And now, because, I mean, you don't got to sit behind Clay. You don't got to worry about stuff. This is your team now. 
And I mean, it's not like anybody has any expectations for the Wizards anyway, so you might as well kind of just chuck it up. So yeah, I'll say believable as well. All right, last thing before we make our game picks for the season opener on, uh, what, six days from now? Uh, uh -huh. Dwayne Wade joined the Hall of Fame this past year, very much so well-deserved. And there was another accolade that Dwayne admitted he would like to have. Uh, when speaking with Shannon Sharp, he said, when you get done playing this game, hopefully the goal is to become a statue. If the Heat decide to give that to me, it would be amazing. So, believable or buffoonery, Dwayne Wade will eventually get a statue outside of the Heat arena. Believable. I think it's believable too. I don't know how long it's gonna take for it to happen, but I I think it should happen. Yeah, because I mean, when you look, when you think about the history of the heat, like the one way it played a part in all of their championships. Yeah, and because I'll say this, the Heat are quick to retire a jersey. I mean, they even required MJ's jersey. He didn't even play for them. Which I think I could be wrong, but I think the only other team who has done something like that was the Mavericks retired twenty four for Kobe. I think you're right. I could be wrong, but so yeah, I mean his jersey being retired, unsurprising. As far as getting a statue, he's I'll say this: he's more than earned it. Hopefully, they will allow that to happen, and they will build him one, even if it's not for a while. All right, last thing before we get up out of here, making game picks for the. Uh, opener of the NBA season, starting off with the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets. The Lakers can talk about, like, how they've been looking forward to this game and how they're going to show the Nuggets, blah, blah, blah. I got Nuggets. I got Nuggets. And then the Phoenix Suns taking on the Golden State Warriors. It should be a fun game. You know what? I'm going to go Suns. I think Suns get it, mainly because Draymond probably isn't going to play, and I think that's going to hurt them defensively. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Before we get up out of here, anything you want to say? Uh, obviously, go, go, Grizz. Even though they aren't playing this week, go, Titans. Titans, if y'all just want to, you know, tank and maybe, you know, get a good old line, potentially a quarterback, I'm not opposed to it at this point. What quarterback uh, you want? It depends on what range of people we get. Like, if we can't get Taylor Williams, I wouldn't mind seeing what Drake May talking about. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I've read a couple mock drafts, and I think – I, the consensus as of right now is him, like, going three to Denver, who, again, needs to just blow the hell up. Um, but, yeah, for me, go Tigers, LSU, play Army. That should be an easy dub. Uh, go Tigers, go – I don't remember who Memphis plays this weekend. Either way, it should be a dub. Uh, Baltimore, like I said, I think this is a very good measuring stick to see not only how good we are, but how good the Lions are. Um, because you know how the NFL is. If the Ravens get their butts kicked, the media is going to talk about how bad the Ravens are. If the Lions get their butts kicked, oh, the Lions are just who we thought they are. They're as bad as they were last year. Like, it's going to be a whole lot of – yeah. So, Baltimore, handle your business. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys again 
so much for listening and we will see you all next time